Morning, Richard Friedland. Uh, we're trying to get an update now on how many people are in your hospitals. Netcare, one of the biggest private hospital companies in South Africa. We're right in the middle of the fourth wave. What have admissions been like? Actually, admissions have been incredibly low in contradistinction to all of the previous three waves that we've experienced. And what we experienced in the first three waves was as community transmission increased, so did in tandem hospitals admission admission to hospital, and we were under enormous pressure, hence the need to flatten the curve and introduce all sorts of lockdown measures. That is not the case uh, at the moment. Why would that be? I think we're seeing a different phenomenon here. We're seeing a decoupling from the rate of community transmission and that of hospital transmission. It is early days. We've been measuring our admissions since the 15th of November, and uh, clearly we are seeing very few real admissions for COVID. Most of them are incidental, and I'll explain that in a second. And I think it is because the new variant, however which way you want to pronounce it, is causing mild to moderate disease. And in many cases, it's asymptomatic. We have yet to see um, the severe form of the disease, which is what we define as people who require hospitalization, who've got your classic COVID pneumonia and have a life-threatening condition, a life-threatening disease that may lead to death. Yes, in the elderly, yes, in those with comorbidities, they still, and yes, in those that are not vaccinated, they're still at risk. But for the large percentage of patients that we've seen, they're mainly incidental findings of COVID. And what we mean by that, uh, Alec, is that uh, they don't need any form of oxygen therapy. If you look at our admissions over the first three waves, every single patient who came to hospital needed some form of oxygen. Their lungs were infected by the COVID-19 virus. In this wave, uh, only 15% of our patients are currently on oxygen. So the others coming have come for surgical or medical procedures, uh, come in an emergency, and we happen to discover they have this new variant. Oh, that's real interesting. So people are not coming to the hospital to say, I'm feeling real sick. Uh, I, I've tried my oximeter, which I think every South African knows what it is nowadays. It's below 90%. Uh, you need to admit me. These are people who arrive for other procedures and are then found to have COVID. Absolutely correct. And so we've got this for the first time, new category of patients that we're classifying as incidental COVID cases. We happen to discover that they have COVID. And this is a critically important point, Alec, because if you don't need oxygen, why are you in hospital? Um, and we wouldn't ordinarily admit someone whose oxygen saturations are in the 90s or in the high 90s. We generally admit those people whose oxygen saturations are below 90 and who have uh, evidence of pneumonia or COVID pneumonia. And I think this is the key issue, is that if this variant persists and it's shown to be fit and it takes over the Delta variant, then we believe certainly, and I know it's very early days, that uh, this wave of COVID-19 can be treated primarily at a primary care level uh, in community clinics, uh, at your GP or pharmacy. So the mortality rate clearly would be a heck of a lot lower than the previous beta or delta waves that, that hit us so hard in South Africa. And thus far it is, and certainly within our hospital setting it is. 
I think the one issue to measure in our country is excess deaths. They, those have risen. They doubled to the week ending 29th of November from 1,000 to 2,000. At the peak of the second wave in January, it was 15,500 excess deaths a week. So we still need to watch what's happening out there in the broader community. But I can tell you from the reports that come out from the NICD on a daily basis, uh, as well as our own internally, uh, the deaths are far fewer uh, than they ever were in any of the other previous waves. Within all the NetCare hospitals, have you had any deaths from Omicron, people who came into the hospital just with COVID-19 and, and this particular variant? Yes, uh, we've had approximately 12 deaths that we can ascribe to uh, covid uh, many of the other deaths were incidental trauma patients or patients with very significant uh, pre-existing comorbidities such as cancer. But the deaths that we can uh, ascribe uh, to COVID-19 definitively are approximately 12 since the 15th of November. And uh, that is a fraction of what we were seeing on a daily basis. Um, during any of the previous waves. And just for context, how many beds do you have at NetCare Hospitals? So we have over 10,000 beds. And, and if I can just give you some context, just uh, uh, in terms of the severity of what we're seeing now compared to the previous three uh, waves, Alec, is that we have 470 patients across the country um, who are have COVID-19. Um, 65% of them are in uh, the Gauteng, and about 20% of them are in KwaZulu-Natal. It's rising now in the Western Cape. But when South Africa and community spread in South Africa was at 26-odd percent in the first, second, and third waves, we had 2,000 patients in our hospital in the first wave, 2,200 in the second wave, and over 3,000 in the third wave, we have under 500 patients in our hospital uh, in comparison to the same level of community spread or transmission of 25% and or 26%. And that's why I'm saying there's been a decoupling between the rise in community transmission and that of hospital admissions. And it tells us this is a far milder or moderate variant than the previous ones we've uh, seen. Richard, this is your game. You've been in medicine your whole life and, of course, running a, a major hospital group. Is this the way that viruses mutate eventually, that they start off killing lots of people and then in time they get easier and, and less and then we get to live with them without really worrying that much about them? Uh, that is what happens, uh, Alec. This is what we saw in the Spanish flu. We call it an antigenic drift. Uh, the Spanish flu never went away stopped killing people, but it morphed into what we know as a very highly transmissible influenza or flu-like virus that is still with us today. One cannot say for certain that the Omicron variant is robust enough to become a global phenomenon and that it won't be outpaced or overtaken by another more severe variant. But certainly if it remains as such, it augurs very well for the evolution um, of COVID-19. Again, probably too early 
to make any definitive views on it. Uh, uh, thank you for correcting. I've always called it Omicron, but Omicron is then the correct uh, pronunciation. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Alec, I have the obvious idea how to pronounce this myself, to be honest. But, but the, uh, the issue that you, you make there was that the previous Delta wave killed the Beta wave. And the hope then as a species for us would be that Omicron or the latest variant wipes out the Delta variant. Is, am I reading you correctly? Yes, so what do we know about this variant I think is important. One, we know that it's highly contagious and transmissible. There was work that came out last week on Monday out of Japan demonstrating that it's 4.2 times as transmissible than the Delta variant, which itself was over 100% more transmissible than the Beta variant, which itself was substantially more transmissible than the initial wild strain. So that we know. The second we know is that it causes mild to moderate disease and there's no evidence um, that it causes severe disease, except obviously in those patients that are elderly and uh, have very severe comorbidities. The third that we're uncertain of, but it does appear to be the case, is is this a fit fit virus or variant? Is it fit enough to take over um, and outpace existing variants like Delta? Certainly in South Africa, it appears from laboratory data that that is indeed the case. And then the fourth element that we don't really yet understand is how effective vaccination is. It does appear to be effective, but there is a debate still raging as to which vaccines after how many boosters. And so I think we've got to give uh, our researchers and scientists a bit more time in this regard. I can tell you one thing. Uh, Alec, that 75% of the patients in our hospital who have COVID-19 um, are not vaccinated. And I think that speaks volumes uh, to the point that we should all be vaccinated. And the majority of those that have died uh, of our 12 deaths are patients that have not been vaccinated. That's an interesting point as well, because the vaccine debate uh, does appear to be pretty much accepted now that if you are vaccinated and you do get COVID, it's not going to be as severe. What your your numbers are showing us is that Omicron, to begin with, uh, is less severe. And then secondly, if you are vaccinated, then Omicron is even less of a risk. We certainly believe that to be the case, and uh, it's being borne out by uh, our experience across our 10,000 beds. What about timing? How long will it take if Omicron is to wipe out the Delta variant on the first issue? And secondly, how long will it take for the South African experience to be quantifiable for the rest of the world to accept that Omicron is this new variant? Can you give us some insight into the timing? Alec, I'm afraid I can't. Uh, You know, there are so many models out there uh, on the projections of this fourth wave. And, you know, it was uh, a British statistician, E.L. Box, who said that all models are wrong and some are useful. And I think that's all we can learn at the moment. I think it's very difficult to prognosticate. I think what we saw with the data released last night from the NICD, there's a lot of catch-up of cases. Uh, One's got to look at trends. Um, So I I don't want to speculate on, on how long these waves will last. Certainly we're seeing it now in the Gauteng. But as it dies down here, it's going to peak 
in uh, the KwaZulu-Natal and then the Western Cape and Eastern Cape and other provinces. So very difficult to speculate. But it is good news overall. I definitely think that uh, it's far better news than we ever had in terms of COVID-19 and uh, in terms of the previous three waves that were absolutely devastating and caused terrible death uh, and loss of life. And and finally, Richard, just from a broad philosophical perspective, if this is something that is not as deadly as we've uh, we've seen with the initial parts of COVID-19, is it not time for us to live with it and to get vaccinated, then reduce your risk, etc., but to for society just to continue uh, into the future? Because it's not going to be, surely, the last pathogen that ever hits the, the human race. Well, of course. Um, you know, we've learned a lot about COVID-19, but again, um, you know, we still know very little about it. And um, the textbook has not yet been written. I can tell you this, uh, Alec, that when COVID-19 first emerged, everyone was saying that it was spread by fomites, uh, by surface spread. Uh, You could get it by touching people. We now know that that's not really the case. And if you look at the CDC data and elsewhere, the chances of getting that by touching a surface are minuscule. But what we do know is that it's uh, airborne transmission. So you can be vaccinated. But if you're not wearing a mask, you can be you are susceptible to an airborne uh, virus. And so probably the most important non-pharmaceutical measure um, is wearing a mask. And we shouldn't stop wearing masks. If we want to return to normal life, let's make sure we're fully vaccinated and let's make sure that we are wearing a mask and maintaining social distancing and also are living in ventilated environments. You know, that's what's important. It's very difficult to catch this outside, but certainly in stuffy indoors places, it is. And I think that um, if this virus does turn out to be mild and moderate and mainly cause asymptomatic um, disease, then I think we can certainly get back uh, to living a new normal, uh, as it were. Um, And at the moment, there's certainly no need, in our humble opinion, for any further restrictions uh, on interprovincial travel, on curfews, um, on international travel, uh, on any of these, because I don't believe we need to be flattening the curve Uh, in the way we did in the first three waves, because at the moment, certainly in our network, uh, we're not seeing any pressure uh, on hospital beds uh, or on admissions. But what you said is very relevant. Does that mean that handshakes and hugs are back? I'm saying that hand hygiene is important, and I think that hand hygiene has helped us prevent some of the other viral spreads. And I can tell you, certainly within a hospital environment, it's critical because you can spread bugs from one patient to another. What I am saying is that uh, what is probably the most important, and literature and research has shown this unequivocally, is the wearing of masks, because uh, the COVID-19 virus gets into our mouths, our oropharynxes or our nasopharynxes, into our nasal passages and into our eyes, and that's how we become infected. 